Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, welcome to the Sharks, James Reimer. We will take 50 penalties to celebrate. <laughs> welcome to the Sharks. Lots of people, dude. Did we did any none of the trades that happened when we had talked last time? So we have much ground to cover. That's right. I think we had just finished talking about how we wouldn't be excited if we traded for Roman Polak. Yes, and now this week we try to forget all the things we said last week. <laughs> That's right, dude. We've got uh, some new players to talk about. We got deals around the league to talk about. We've got the the waving of Mike Brown to talk about, and we've got the Sharks' uh, last five games to talk about, dude. Um, lots to talk about. Where do we start, dude? Well, I think we got to start with the trade deadline because um, if I know our listeners, which I don't. But if Me I know either. Them, I don't know any of them. <laughs> they're probably um, eager to hear your thoughts about the Roman Polak and Nick Spalling for Rafi Torres and two future seconds, dude. What are your thoughts? Dude, I'll be honest. Uh, I was not excited when I heard the trade. It, it gives you a little thrill to hear a big name on the trade market come to the Sharks, as Roman Polak was. He was a name that was often talked about. It's not that often the Sharks go out and get a high-profile player. It's happened several times in the history. It doesn't happen all the time. Brian Campbell certainly comes to mind. Um, but they went out and they got the guy that they wanted. And while I was not excited last week, um, I think there are certain benefits to the trade that I'll talk about in a minute, but I am concerned about what we gave up to get a guy who is going to be an unrestricted free agent on June 1 or whatever, July 1, excuse me. Yeah, dude, um, I agree. I think the price was high. When you look around the league, or at least when you look at maybe the the two biggest comps that were out there on the market, one of them was Dan Hamhuis, who didn't move at all because um, he had a no move, one. And two, I guess Vancouver didn't get what they wanted. And Chris Russell's probably the the best comp out there, similar in age, similar in style um, to Roman Polak. Polak's probably more physical. Russell probably blocks a few more shots. When you look at what Dallas paid for Chris Russell – essentially the same player they give up a conditional second which means that if dallas makes it to the conference finals it's actually a first Mm. and then they gave up two prospects that were in their top 10 current like so that would be the equivalent of us trading a conditional second dylan Demello, and uh you know the best forward comp i could find to the guy they sent over there was this guy named rourke chartier which Mm -hmm. is not someone who's really on our on our radar right now, but he's, you know, a, a draft pick that's playing decently in, uh, in junior hockey. So when you look at what the price would have been for that, I probably would have been more irritated if that deal had been made than the one that was made for Roman Polak, because not only did we get Polak, but we got a pretty useful 
bottom six forward in Nick Spalling. I mean, he's useful, dude. Wouldn't you say he's been surprisingly good? He's been surprisingly good so far, but there's plenty of players that move to a new team and then do great the first five games and then quickly regress into mediocrity or worse. I'm sure. I'm, I'm waiting to see uh, how Nick Spalling does in a month. Um, clearly, he's going to be eager to impress his new teammates and his new coaches. And I, I, you know, if I was putting on my cynical hat, which I seem to wear more often than not, I would say that that accounts for the two goals he got in the first couple games. And uh, I'm not going to put him down and say he's a useless player and I don't like him. I don't really know enough about Nick Spalling to really make a make a judgment. He's certainly not uh, an obvious liability when I see him play. So there's something to that. And this is a team that had quite the... Uh, musical chairs going on when it comes to the bottom six. So uh, I hope Nick Spalling can be as useful as he's looked so far. That would be nice. Yeah. I think it's it's the D word, dude. It's depth. It's depth. And the Sharks got deeper. You know, Spalling is the type of player who, you know, you're not going to be relying on for any sort of major impact. But and when and when Wingles comes back, I mean, he very may, may well be the guy who ends up out of the lineup. But... Uh, maybe not, or he's certainly got <clears throat> the ability to play, you know, a bottom six role. You feel more confident seeing him out there than Brian Lurg, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in that kind of situation. And Polak is an upgrade over Dylan DeMello, who now is the seventh guy. And uh, are these guys difference makers? No. Are they better depth players than the Sharks had? Yes. And... You know, if Doug Wilson is thinking this team deserved to have the best chance possible within realistic prices to make a run, then he added depth for them to do so. And I think with the two future seconds, dude, with the 2017-2018 second rounders, there's a lot of time to get those picks back. I would imagine if he was trying to sell that to management or to ownership, sorry, he is management, that, you know, there's a Patrick Marlowe trade that's coming in the offseason. You got to imagine Marlowe can fetch two future seconds. So easily. So at least you're making up that um, in in that way. So um, I'm not. I wasn't too put off by the price, dude. Um, but it wasn't the big splash that we were advocating for, certainly. But I don't think those moves were out there. I don't think they were either. Of course, we were looking for the best possible deals that may have very well been completely off the table and unrealistic. So that that's one thing. I, I will talk about a benefit, and I don't know if it, it necessarily means Roman Polak or it could have been a result if the Sharks, say, went out and got Chris Russell, as you said, is the best comp out there. And that, it certainly seems Brent Burns is playing less. And I think that's an unqualified positive result of the trade. Um, And Roman Polak is not a very flashy player, but he seems to be really stable. And he's playing on the PK a lot more. Uh, And I think Burns doesn't have to play the PK as much, and I've seen his minutes drop. And I think some... Some of our listeners have been talking about that on the common thread, and I totally agree. I think that's a that's a definite plus for this trade. I think it. I don't know if I would go so far as to say it pays for itself, but it, it's definitely 
you know, deserves some credit that we could bring in a guy that can play the penalty kill, take some of the pressure off Brent Burns, and it enables him to do things like score late goals like he did against Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, he's had, I think, three third-period goals in, you know, three games in a row. I think that was the stat that they flashed last night. Um, I mean, the goal last night, even though they didn't win, you know, and we'll talk about that game in a second, but, I mean, that was a pretty sick goal, too. Um, I agree. It is a benefit. Roman Polak is a legitimate NHL player. He's not borderline. He's not questionable. He's a real NHL defenseman. He's a real third-pairing guy. And I think that the trade was made as Doug Wilson's M.O., to have Roman Polak stay. Like, I think they'll do exactly what they did with Brandon Dillon, and they'll try and keep this guy, you know, and, and they probably should. You know, he will help the team. You right. know, he, he's not a bad player. Is he, a, you know, a, a Brent Burns type of impact kind of Keith Yandel player? No. But uh, he's a good player, solid. Uh, are the Sharks a Roman Polak away from winning the Stanley Cup? Probably not, but (laughs) it definitely makes them more prepared to do battle with the Ducks, who are just the hottest team on earth right now, and the Kings uh, in the coming weeks. So um, it does help. The trade that certainly was a huge steal, which I was shocked but even got pulled off, was the James Reimer deal. Yes, I was about to say exactly the same thing, dude. I was much more excited and happy to see the trade where we traded basically a uh, a fan favorite or t- or player favorite backup goaltender in Alex Daylock who's having what can only be called a terrible year, uh, a fourth-line forward that the coach seemed to completely hate and would not put into the lineup under any circumstances, and a conditional fourth-round draft pick for... A, a decent, if not better than decent, backup goaltender in James Reimer, who promptly loses his first game. But uh, I, we'll, we'll try to ignore that for now. I don't know much about Jeremy Morin, dude, who is the other player that we got from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Do you know much about him? I think he's played for like 12 teams in the last two years or something like that. <laughs> I mean, this guy's been included in so many trades. I think he got traded back and forth between Columbus and Chicago like twice. Um the guy had like a high pedigree and he's never really turned out. I don't think he's, he's not a factor. I think that was a salary thing. Okay. He's on an NHL deal. I think that he was included for salary, not because we're ever going to see him. Um, but the fact that you essentially got Reimer for a fourth, I was really surprised. The market for goalies must not have been as ripe as we thought. And the fact that they, we got them to take, Staylock, who they have absolutely no interest in. They just immediately sent him to the Marlies. Ben Smith, which I don't know if they care about him or not, but I mean, he he was someone who clearly wasn't part of the Sharks team now or later. And and a fourth, you know, it was it was shocking actually. So these are the types of traits that we're we're used to seeing Doug Wilson uh, make. And um, Reimer's going to help. And I was concerned that we were going to end up trading way more than that to try and get him for that price. It's a it's a great deal. And last night's loss that was not James Reimer's fault. I mean, he the Sharks put him in some terrible positions, dude, taking so many penalties. Uh, he got scored on three times uh, on the power play, like, and some of those were not his fault. He was screened on at least the second goal. He was completely screened. 
Um, and the other two, I don't really blame him for either. Like, uh, I didn't think he played poorly last night. I think the Sharks really uh, gave him the <laughs> gave him a rude welcome in terms of how to support him. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely happy about that trade. And as the trade deadline approached. There were no more moves that the Sharks made. There was lots of other moves which we can talk about. Or do you do you want to talk about the Sharks games since then, dude, and the results? Yeah. Or would would you rather talk about the other fun things that happened on trade deadline day? Oh, let's let's talk about the Sharks games, dude, and then we can get to the overall trade deadline. I mean, you know, uh, Sharks before the deadline lost to Buffalo. We can maybe sort of forget about that game. Uh, Although they the game always we, seem to lose to Buffalo, even though they're bad. They're bad every yeah, year, and the Sharks always uh, lose. Yeah, it was weird, and I don't know why. And, like, just crappy. Not good, you know, but uh, they were able to shake it off and come back and just completely obliterate Montreal on Monday night. I mean, they just completely killed them. Yes. It was embarrassing for Montreal. Um, the Sharks destroyed them. The, the Canadians could not stop the Sharks' top line. They couldn't even come close. Joe Thornton was playing like an animal. Uh, it was fun to watch. The weirdest thing about that night was definitely seeing Mike Brown playing for Montreal after having been waived by the Sharks, uh, which is another, you know, I can't believe somebody took him off our hands and spared us the cap room. Yeah. But, um, a really horrible signing by Doug Wilson, and he's managed to purge himself of some of those bad decisions now. Um, and to see him playing against the Sharks like 24 hours later was weird. Very I don't think weird. I've ever seen that from a Sharks game perspective. I don't think so either. Dude, I want to go back to Buffalo. There was something unique about the Buffalo game this season. Do you happen to know what it is? Something unique about the Buffalo game this season, dude. Uh, you got heartburn at the tank from eating too much Panda Express. Ooh, that's a good guess, but no. I don't know. There were no penalties in that game. What? It was the only game this year that the Sharks have played in where there are no penalties. It was weird. I remember thinking of it, and I was watching the third period, sitting in the tank, and I'm like, wait, there haven't been any power plays in this game. No power plays the entire game weird that's that's weird very very weird uh but yes montreal i think certainly underscored a huge storyline of the second half or really the second or the since about uh december 1st or december 15th i think the stats a lot of people are quoting which is joe thornton is a freaking animal this season and i don't know if people are really talking about him enough Joe Thornton is totally dominating, almost on a nightly basis. He made Montreal look stupid on about 50 different occasions. And he's having just a just really a monster, monster year. And I think that Sharks fans may be used to taking Jumbo for granted. And there's been some things he's done in the last week or two that's really even made me sit up and take notice for a guy that's been with the Sharks since 2005. And it's just like, geez, this guy is firing on all cylinders right now. He seems really locked in. Last year was a, a year to forget for Joe uh, on and off the ice, just in terms of how the whole thing went down. Uh, and he seems totally motivated. And I think we agree that angry Joe is the best Joe. And he seems a little angry. Um, and he seems to be playing with a fire that, can be lacking from 
him at times. And when it's not in him, it's not in the team. He still is the one behind the wheel of this team, whether Joe Pavelski is the captain or not. You know, the team seems to follow Joe Thornton's lead emotionally. And uh, I love it last night. I mean, I know Burns and Thornton took two double minors or took a, took minors at the same time. And that was kind of a bummer, but it also, I kind of liked it. Like, you know, I don't mind seeing them in there uh, sticking out for themselves, you know, him turning around and punching somebody in the face, like during the game, they're going to have to play like that to get through the Kings and the Ducks. They're going to be smart about not taking so many penalties throughout the rest of the game. But, you know, the Sharks still have that knock for being able to be pushed around. And uh, last night, even though they lost the game, I think those weren't the penalties that they were taking early. Um, I like the fire that you see from Joe right now. And it's contagious throughout the team, for sure. And you saw it in the first two Vancouver games as well. Um, it's nice to play Vancouver, even though they lost last night. And Vancouver sucks. So you got to figure that they're going to continue to... They got another game with them, I think, coming up soon. Uh, they'll pick up another win. Uh there i mean last night was you know the sharks lost that game they didn't lose to vancouver the sharks lost that game right last night's game they just kind of collapsed but there's more winnable games coming dude the next week up until next saturday three very winnable games certainly the sharks should be destroying some of these teams i i hope they don't sink down yeah And Calgary, Edmonton, and New Jersey coming up this week with a really tough date against the Capitals next weekend. Right. But, <clears throat> you know, they should, they, they need to win. They need six points from those three games because the Kings are, you know, hot and cold and the Ducks are red hot. And you've, even though the Ducks have won, what, 11 in a row or 10 in a row? 11. The, shark, the Sharks are, are only four points behind them. So, um, uh, six. Well, I guess they did. They win last night or today. Yeah. So, I mean, they, with the Ducks being that hot, the Sharks are still around. You know, so the hard part will be if the Ducks continue to be that hot and the Sharks sputter, uh, and you know, continue to kind of go win loss win loss. Uh, they need three wins this week, dude, and they need to at least hang hang in into the second spot. And get the Kings at home. I think that's really important. Yep. Yeah, and they, they've they're the margin between them and Vancouver is huge right now. It's fourteen points. So yeah, San Jose is really not in any danger of missing the playoffs. No, we're going to be in the playoffs. And and, and I, the thing that I like is I don't feel like they're playing like they know that. Like they're playing like they want more, which is always been the Sharks' problem, right? Like yep. be so easy for them to just tune out right now and be like, you know what, meh. <laughs> And one thing that that I was reminded of this week is is the DeBoer bump, dude. The DeBoer bump. It's it, and and you got to keep that in your mind. That's funny. I was thinking about the same thing like two days ago. You know, the Sharks seem to finally have figured out what it is that the coaching staffs wants. I mean, other than the PK, which is kind of miserable at times, they the power play is great and. uh they're rolling four lines. Don Scoy's been really good. You know, the Sharks are deep and look like a team that could be tough to play against because of the DeBoer bump, dude. The DeBoer bump. It's real. 
I like it. It was a little late coming, but uh, I'm glad we're seeing it now, dude. Yeah, well, you'd rather have your team peak now than be like Montreal and do it when it was worthless, which was at the beginning of the year, and it's gotten them nowhere. Right. Are they actually out of the playoffs at this point? Probably, huh? Yeah. Yeah, dude. They're out. They're, they're out. way out. They're like seven points out. Jeez. They're not wow. going to make it. Yeah, they're like they're 30, 30, and 6. That's terrible. Yeah, wow. and it's P.K. Subban's fault, dude. <laughs> according, according to everyone in Montreal, it's yeah. his fault. Yeah, it's their best player's fault. Yeah. That's what it is. Good. They're going to call themselves the Montreal 49ers soon. <laughs> Seriously. Self-destructing, dude. Self-destructing, dude. Do I... I mean, the other thing is that uh, certainly that Joe Pavelski is still firing well. I mean, him and Joe, they're plus yeah. 23 or whatever they are. It's just these guys, it's just the be- the best players right now. You know, I, I hate that cliche, but they, the best players are the best players. That's what's happening right now with the Sharks. And And sometimes I worry a little bit that they're too good. You know, they're too dominating. Uh, you know, Burns, Pavelski, and Thornton all have 57 points or more. The next player is Patrick Marlowe with 39. You know, there, there's sort of a big step down right now. But Lungature is coming on a little bit, so I'm 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 happy with the way he's playing. I'm happy with the way a lot of this a lot of this team is playing. I really am. So uh, I I think the Sharks right now their four lines are deeper than we've seen in a long time, and. You know they're set up to be in as good a position as as they've been in the last couple of years, and it'll be interesting to see, dude. I just want them to continue to to play on a bump up and not coast in, knowing that Arizona, Vancouver is so far behind. Yeah, and yeah. that's where the problem will will happen. That's where we've seen the Sharks in the last week or two just go, eh. We're just going to take our foot off the gas, and then they're just never able to quite get it back. And because um, they're going to be in for a dogfight, the playoffs will be very entertaining, you know. And and whoever is number one, if it's the Ducks, I mean, right now they're going to have Nashville, which is not going to be fun. Like that's going to suck. Like the wild card team, like could be a harder draw than if the Sharks play the Kings. Like that might be tougher to play the Wild or the Preds. Because the Wild, since they fired Mike Yo, I mean, clearly he was the problem. Bye, Mike Yo. <laughs> or he was a problem anyway. Because <laughs> they're they're on fire too. Yeah, that team. They're playing well. They're playing well, dude. Let's go back to the trade deadline because this is always a fun time of year and uh, talk about other moves that happened, dude. Like there certainly, um, you know, some uh, rivals of the Sharks made some moves. Uh, about some guys that we had talked about last uh, last time, and uh, we saw some familiar faces move around uh, again and again and again. And uh, what what was a what was a surprising move for you, dude? What was a what was something that you did not expect to happen? Well, I mean, Boston trading four draft picks for Lee Stempniak and John Michael Lyles. Um, I don't get it. Like. I don't get it. Like that's that's where I'd be really pissed if I was a Bruins fan. I know that they're in a playoff position, but those guys, I mean, like John Michael Lyles, like that guy was on the garbage heap like yeah, 2 years ago. Um I just don't see him being the a difference maker for that team when they 
I don't think they have much of a shot to even get out of the first round. But that that was surprising. I didn't really under, understand that. Um, <clears throat> other than that, like you know, I think Versteeg that's a nice pickup for the Kings. Jamie McGinn that's a nice pickup for the Ducks. Um, Are you sure? What do you think about? Huh? Are you sure about that? Well, he adds depth. He's, He's been a on a few teams. Year. Sorry, he's been on a few teams. I'm not. I'm not sure. I know. I'm just. I don't think he's a garbage player, dude. I. I think he. He on that team, he won't be asked to do more than he's supposed to do. He provides energy, and he's physical, and he's got a scoring touch, dude. I mean, I. I Jamie McGinn is not an amazing player, but I think he's a good depth move for them. Mm-hmm. Um, for a team that is, you know, a, probably more of a legitimate Stanley Cup contender than the Sharks are. Like he could help them. It's not exactly clutch, you know, but he'll help them. I think Christopher Stieg would have been a better pickup for them. You know, I like him much better. Well, I think he got hurt yesterday. Um, so I don't know oh, really? if he's even around. What do you think about Eric Stahl to the Rangers? Um I think he's a little I think he's overrated. I mean, he's not had good seasons the last couple of years, and that could be because Carolina just hasn't been very good. Um, but I, you know, clearly they're going for it, right? That that's obviously what's happening, but um, I wonder. You know, they gave up two second round picks and a and a forward I've never heard of. So, you know, they're clearly sort of all in right now. Uh, you know, they're 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 going. That's that's probably the highest uh, profile player moved, right? I guess so. I mean, the the highest price paid might have been for Andrew Ladd, which yeah. you know, a first, and you know, uh, Dano is not a bad player going the other way. I think they even did. There were a few other pieces involved in that move, but Ladd is a known quantity to the Blackhawks. He immediately jumped up onto Jonathan Taze's line, and I think he's already scored, you know, a few times. So, like for the Blackhawks, that was a no brainer. You know, a no brainer for them. Uh, they clearly got. You know, with Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischman, even adding Christian Ehrhoff for Rob Scuderi, which is sort of like a trade of trash for trash. Like, you know, why not? It There's nothing, no risk there. I think Florida added some nice depth by adding uh, Teddy Purcell and uh, uh, who else did they get? Yuri Hudler and um, uh, Kindle from Detroit. I mean, that those are good depth moves. Right. Um, but the Blackhawks clearly are the team that got the deepest. You know, what I mean, they, yeah. they, they really <laughs> added some pretty pretty strong pieces there. They got a lot better. They definitely got better. They're they're these are those are exactly the kind of moves that a Stanley Cup favorite should make. Right. You know, they get a, a locker room guy, a good player, and Andrew Ladd, who didn't he play for the Blackhawks a long time ago? He did. He won a cup with the Blackhawks. Right. So. You know, he's sort of a known player to them. Right. And they're willing to He's just going to walk right into that locker room. Known guy. Yep. Yep. I mean, and they got Tomas Fleischman, who I'm not certain is, you know, a world beater or not. But, you know, he can, when he's good, he can be very, very good. I just don't know if, you know, but he's not going to be, there's not going to be a lot of weight on his shoulders to carry anything. He's going to be right. in a very supportive position. So right. he might be one of those, you know, bottom six threats that you don't really have an answer for because Tomas Fleischman is out there against sort of the dregs of the other team, and it's just it can right. be a mismatch. Right. 
The the one player that moved that was a little surprised at what he what he gathered was Justin Schultz. Only got a third round pick. I don't know. And what am I what am I missing? I thought Justin Schultz was I thought he was a really good player and he's young. He's still only 25 and he was a, a second round draft pick uh by the Ducks in 2008 and he's 25 years old and he's had some pretty decent seasons on a really bad Edmonton Oilers team and he only got a third round pick. Can you explain this to me? Well, I mean, supposedly he's garbage now, dude. I mean, like that's uh, <laughs> that's the word that I've heard. That's I mean, the word, like just huh? from different analysis uh, from you know people on TSN just saying that this guy has completely lost his way and uh, is not a very useful NHL player at this point. And they were they were surprised that they even got a third for him. Wow! Like I said, this guy couldn't even play regular minutes on an awful team. And that if they're a team that is like looking to build with young players, essentially just gave away like a young puck moving defenseman. They didn't even want him anymore, like to be part of their future, that that says a lot. And like Todd McClellan took like two months of a look at him and said, no, thank you, you know, and yeah, but this is also a team that's made so many bad moves regarding their right. roster yeah. makeup. I don't know if I the fact that they got rid of him doesn't necessarily say anything about how good or bad of a player. I don't know if I could trust anything they do. Yeah, well, dude, I'm I'm going to look it up while we're talking to see how he's done, you know, so far with the uh, with the Penguins, dude. I mean, is is he is he even playing? I mean, is he playing regular minutes? I mean, for for the. For the Penguins, I mean, what's the what's the risk, right? I mean, a third rounder for a guy who could make a, a pretty strong impact. I mean, I think they're looking for difference makers. He he has the potential to be a difference maker. If you look at, let's see, he has played one game. I guess he was hurt. He played one game. He was a plus two, and he had an assist. So yeah, in sixteen minutes. So, um. In his first game in Pittsburgh, he played well. One game, dude. The yep. Nick Spalling factor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for true. your sake, dude, for your sake, you better hope he's good because you have the Penguins. Yeah, I've, I've pretty yeah. much written that off. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not excited about how how the Penguins are doing right now. But that, talk about it. I mean, Phil Kessel has been. Uh, a huge disappointment. Yeah, a failure doesn't cover it. Doesn't even cover it. Yeah, not good. <laughs> yeah, that's not really, good. Really, really too bad. But dude, my Tampa Bay Lightning—they're doing great. They're, they're back on top of the dude. Atlantic. You know, I, I know, I know. They're doing well, dude. We, we have. Uh, I have Anaheim. I have Washington. I feel very confident they'll be the two teams left. And uh, you'll be weeping, <laughs> weeping. You're confident Again, of Anaheim over Chicago. It's surprising how, since we just said Chicago got work? the most better. Let's see, because we haven't gone to Vegas yet. How will this work? Will we go for four nights? Is that what will happen? Or <laughs> will we fly out there and then fly back and then get on a plane and literally fly right back? Could. <laughs> Private jet. What, I mean, what are we going to have to do here? Yeah, what will happen? How, how will this far go down? in the hole do I, I, I go? Know. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, let's talk about the World Cup of Hockey and the Sharks that were chosen 
roster spots and the char- sharks that were not. Okay. Um, any surprises amongst the sharks players? I mean, you know, some we don't know enough about the Czech team. It's nice to see Hurdle getting to play. Roman Polak also picked. Uh, Donskoy picked to play, which is a nice uh, thing for him. Vlasic on Team Canada, no, hmm. no Burns, no Burns. That's su- that's yeah, that's surprising. No Burns yet. Yeah, I mean they didn't name the whole team, but no Burns yet. Joe Pavelski on Team USC, no Braun. Yeah, no, no Burns, no Thornton. Yeah, yeah, Joe Thornton. I mean. I'm not as surprised about that, just given his age. And there's but, a lot of centers. There's a lot of good Canadian yeah, centers. I'm not as surprised about that one. Yeah, yeah. And some people were saying no Marlowe, but I think Marlowe is so far out of the discussion at this point. Yes. But um, no Burns, I think, is interesting. But all, his lack of defensive ability, I think, hurts him at an international level of a tournament of this profile, at least for the initial roster choosing. So... We'll see. They probably have to make some some choices between guys who are just exclusively offensively minded. You know, they can't carry too many, probably. Yeah. I, is is the World Cup of Hockey something we're going to be paying attention to at all here? I mean, well, what, dude, it's happening. Um, I mean, is this just like made up? This is just like a made up tournament I, they just dude, invented no, out of like, thin air? This is, this is a way bigger deal than... Uh, and it's been in the past because it's happening in in Toronto. It's mm-hmm. happening in September. So it's, it's happening at a time where we'll just be getting ready for the NHL season. I, I think we will be paying attention to it, dude. I think the NHL wants you to be paying attention to it. Yeah. You're basically a sponsor. So I think we will pay attention. It's just weird how that's going to be basically throughout training camp. So none of these guys are going to training camp, essentially? No, and they'll all get hurt. Yeah, exactly. That that I mean, certainly that's what you kind of worry about. Well, NHL doesn't care, dude. NHL is all about the green. Yeah, they're all about playing more games. I guess it's just, yeah, very. Uh, that's right. That's right, dude. It's a little surprising, but um, uh, all of a sudden, I mean, isn't there? There's the World Cup of Hockey, and then the World Championships generally take place sort of late in the playoff cycle. So. Oftentimes, right. Well, that's players that's from like teams. the ugly stepchild of the tournaments. I mean, that's yeah. the one that nobody wants to go to. You right. know, nobody cares. Like, that's the one. Dude. That this one, this is going to be a big deal. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I get. I guess it's hard for me to get excited about anything but the Stanley Cup and I suppose the Olympics. Those are sort of the two things that I really care the most about. And sort of this made-up World Cup of hockey. I, I don't. It's going to be difficult. But maybe I'll. Maybe I'll fall victim to all the marketing hype that's going to happen throughout the summer, and then I'll be all giddy and excited when September rolls around. Dude, do we have any emails or anything that we should cover? Let me uh, let me pull them up, dude. See what we got here. I know we had lots of comments on the blog, certainly about uh, certainly about um, you know all the trades and things like that. But I, you know, I don't think we have any. I don't think we have any. Uh, Oh, we oh we got a, uh, uh, I think it was it the Stars fan. Oh yeah, Noah the Stars fan says, "What the hell is your GM doing? Major overpayment." So. Yeah, well, that he sent that before the Chris Chris, Chris Russell deal. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if he wished he could uh, 
could delete that. Yeah. Uns- oh, we got something from Tracy, dude. Unsend the email after he gets Chris Russell. Yeah, that's true. Um, he Tracy, Tracy says that Pollock and Spalling bum you out, and getting Reimer made the pendulum swing the other way. Have we ever had this good of a duo in net? And he says, certainly not since Hayward and Millis. <laughs> oh, I think, are we forgetting about Nabby and Toscala and yeah. Nabby and... Kippersoff. Um, and Kippersoff, I think that that's definitely... Um, she's wrong on this one. Uh, what about Urbe and Wade Flaherty? Yeah. Wade Flaherty. Um, yeah. Sorry. Or, or how about Belfour and Chris Terreri? Oh. Oh. Just kidding. That hurts a little. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think Reimer and Jones necessarily go up to the, the Nabby and X. His yeah, I mean, I, let's not forget about Nidamaki and uh, Niem. <laughs> and Nidamaki really turned out. That was a really <laughs> good move. Oh, yeah, uh, I would go with uh, Toscala or Kiprasov, Nabokov as our top duo. Yep, I think I'm with you on that, dude. I don't think we had uh, other emails to cover. I think that's it, dude. I think that's it. Um, well, playoff hockey, we're storming towards it, dude, and the Sharks are in a position to be competitive, dude. Um, it certainly is a good time to be a Sharks fan in terms of the team is playing pretty well. Big game's coming up, though. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some very winnable games that they need to win, and I certainly the 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 game against Washington is going to be the game that everyone's going to be sort of looking at, right? We have some good Saturday night games coming up. We got Washington, and then the New York Rangers the following Saturday, and then the Stars the Saturday after that. So the next three Saturdays, there's going to be some good Sharks opponents here to see where they stand. Um, nice. And in between, some very winnable games, right? Calgary, Edmonton, New Jersey, and then we face Arizona the next week, and then face Arizona again. So, you know, there's going to be some top opponents, but punctuated with some lesser opponents, and the Sharks hopefully will be able to take advantage. Well, this is uh, the time of year where you have to separate yourself, and uh, I hope the Sharks continue to trend up, dude. They have been. They've been playing better, and We'll just keep an eye on it. See what happens, dude. Dude, you get your uh, Barracuda playoff tickets? Yes. You did? No. No, you didn't. You know, they, they offer them to season ticket holders, and I, I just, I think we passed. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. That's too, it's a lot of hockey games. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of hockey games, and I'm just, uh, I'm not able to d- see that many things. But the Barracuda in playoff position, dude. Dude, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> You're clearly paying very close attention to the Barracuda. I'll jump on the bandwagon later. You jump on the bandwagon when the Sharks, after the Sharks lose in the first round. That's right. That's right. Well, just to give everybody an update, the Barracuda are fourth in the Pacific Division. So they're not exactly killing it, but they are in playoff position. So uh, they are four points ahead of the Bakersfield Condors for fourth place. All and, right, and they are eleven points behind the Ontario Reign for first place in the Pacific Division. Mm. But um, the Toronto Marlies of all teams are the best team in the AHL right now. So 
Go figure. At least some Toronto teams can do well. <coughs> but yeah, they you know, what can what can you say? It's it's hard to it's hard to take any meaning from uh from AHL stuff. Jeremy Morin had six points in thirteen games there, so wow. There you go. Major. All right, dude. <laughs> well, I think uh it's gonna be interesting. I'm I I'm optimistic cautiously optimistic the sharks may have overpaid for Polak, but they if they can keep some minutes away from burns i think that's a positive in the long run it's entertaining right now dude and that's all i can ask for i'm i'm intrigued i'm interested i'm entertained and hopeful you know so let's just hope they continue to ride the wave dude ride the DeBoer wave uh the the boar bump in full effect. Here it is, baby. All right, go sharks. Go sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.